talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You eat a chicken sandwich? This is the Press Box. The best is their chicken minis, which are these little small rolls that they have butter all over them and like a chicken nugget inside of it. They're delicious. I got to get out more, man. I have a slice of wheat toast. With Grainy and Bischoff. I got to get out more. On ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> Let's pitch a complete game here today. Let's do it. Let's get up to about 108 pitches. Diamondbacks kind of suck. They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they can't hit at all. No. They're terrible. Teams. My God. Teams atrocious. Guy throws 108 pitches. He shuts them out. First <laughs> shutout of the year. No one in the baseball even coming close. So one one other guy like had 110. I don't know who it was. Probably Scherzer. Uh but everyone else like ends at like 80 or 90, and they're like, yeah, whatever, Bueller. Keep going out there. These guys are horrible. Blake Snell probably threw 110 in about four innings. That That's what he normally true. does. That could be true. I'm smelling some, uh, and what am I smelling this morning? Chicken minis. That's the same thing as we entered with. Yeah. That, little... that is the reason why I, I picked that open, but I couldn't remember. We have several Chick-fil-A-related opens, despite <laughs> the fact that they are not a sponsor. They do not pay us. We are just fans. Now, Tyler's not going to get this chair, Will. Will you know what I'm, I've done lately? Just the muffin top. Oh, yeah. Why would I not get that? Well, Seinfeld. Oh. Top of the muffin to you? I mean, I don't know what's happening. Okay. okay. It's a, it was a Seinfeld episode where they were going to give muffins to the hungry, the needy and hungry, and, but it was only the muffin tops and the hungry. No, uh, only the muffin bottoms. They were oh, going the to bottoms? sell the, they oh, were going to sell the muffin sell tops, the tops because that's the only part yeah. you like, and they yes. were going to give the bottom parts to the hungry. And, and the hungry, hungry did not like it. Yeah, they, they, they were like, back. really? Like, that's what you're giving Just us? Just because we're hungry? It's a good business strategy. The First Bite. The Press Box First Bite is brought to you by the Cofield and Company podcast, available on Stitcher and iTunes. Did the Golden Knights force Robin Leonard to delay getting surgery? What a lot to unpack with this continuing yeah. today. There was a lot to unpack yesterday. Uh, Emily Kaplan um, was right. Well, they were, <laughs> they were right about, I think they were right about uh, surgery. I think uh, both reports said lower body, and now the Golden Knights are saying sh- uh, shoulder uh, shoulder surgery. But uh, you want to read Emily Kaplan's tweet because this does make it look like they made him wait. So Emily Kaplan tweeted yesterday, Robin Leonard told VGK on Thursday he was getting surgery. Team doctors agreed it was best. It was the best course of action after evaluation on Saturday. Then the team asked the goalie to delay and back up last night before allowing it. They cited cap implications per sources yesterday. The Golden Knights then uh, announced Robin Leonard was having surgery and called up Yuri Patera. Here's my number one question. Logan Thompson gets hurt in the game on Sunday. Are they putting Robin Leonard on the ice when Robin Leonard has already decided to have season-ending surgery? Yeah, I think they are. What the hell is that? I think they are. How? Like I know I, it's it's it's... Like Awful if that's the <laughs> truth, but who, what else would they have done? That would have been the answer, apparently. That would have been the answer. He was on the bench. He had the baseball cap on, ready to go. He decided on Thursday, last week, that he was going to end the season and have surgery, that he wasn't going to fight through it anymore, and the Golden Knights said, hold on, boy, we we need you. We need you on Sunday to sit on the bench, and if Logan Thompson gets hurt, uh, you might need to go in there. Yep. Really? That's what this team was doing? They 
Two months ago, they traded a guy to a team that was on his no-trade list, and that's not even the most mistreated player of the season for the Golden Knights now. They somehow topped that in the span of two months. Daddy. It's incredible. That's unbelievable. Like, Daddy had a break And here's the part that, listen, I maybe, maybe Cap Friendly can explain this at some point. What cap implications allow them to call up Yuri Patera yesterday, but not on Sunday before the game? Well, I'm not going to pretend I know the cap. I have no idea. Did it have something to do with Will Carrier being taken off it or being then called up? Then don't take called? Will Carrier yeah. off long-term Whoa, IR and he call score? up Yuri Patera. <laughs> he did. He did score. Like, did they, in all seriousness. Why couldn't they have done this? Again, we're talking about things that obviously were both uh, not knowing much about the Kaplan implications, but why? Because now you can do the emergency call-up because I, of the— I'm uh, under the impression you can do that whenever— if Logan Thompson or it, uh, if Robin Leonard needs surgery, if Robin let, let's pretend Robin Leonard was completely healthy, right? And Saturday at practice tears his ACL. The Golden Knights don't have a backup goalie for Sunday. The emergency. So why couldn't they do that? I I do not understand. Well, I have zero comprehension I mean, of how there were cap implications that forced Robin Leonard to be the backup goalie. On Friday and Saturday, I saw Sunday the emergency backup at practice. I think right. I know why. <laughs> well, no, not he's that missing you, a tooth. No, no, not, that's not the. You, there's an emergency call-up option from your right. AHL team, not the guy you saw at no, practice. No, I hope not. Not Darren Millard's backup, <laughs> no. right? Like you can emergency call up a guy from the AHL. So again, hypothetical: Robin Leonard's completely healthy, but tears his ACL Saturday at practice. They just what? Who's their backup goalie for Sunday's game? It has to be. I the have emergency. no idea. I, I would. I would assume no, it's the emergency. You're you're allowed to call up a, an emergency goalie from the AHL, not the random guy you see at practice. They're allowed to call up Yuri Patera or whoever they want from the Silver Knights. So I have zero idea. And if it's cap related, and they brought William Carrier off long term IR instead of letting Robin Leonard get surgery, that's that's horrific. That is unbelievable that they would delay surgery so that Will Carrier could get in the lineup for a night. Does it make anyone else like feel at least like a little bit like comforted that the Golden Knights are in a situation with like a lot of Americans where they're like, can, can we put off surgery? We don't have the money right now. <laughs> Three six four eleven hundred. Need Golden Knights management listening? Call us up. Three six four eleven hundred. I wish they would. I wish they would explain this. I wish they would explain the cap implications. They won't. No. Three six four eleven hundred. I have. I mean, our phone lines are closed right now. So open those babies up. Hit the text up. line. Open those babies up, Jared. Open up those text. Uh, those phone lines. For, Hit us uh, on Twitter. Uh, the management to call in. A, a serious question for you: How do you think Jack Eichel feels when he left the team? He left the Buffalo Sabers, where he was the captain of that team, the best player on that team. Because the team wanted to dictate the details of his surgery, they did not want him to get a certain kind of surgery. They wanted control over his surgery. And team he goes to, the very first year he's on that team, that new team is now controlling when a player yeah. gets surgery? He might be worried. I would be. <laughs> I'd be like, what happens if I get hurt and you got to bring Will Carrier off long-term <laughs> IR? Carrier. Am I in the lineup with a broken bone because you don't have the cap space? Like, it's 
unreal. And for that to happen to Eichel right after he got out of Buffalo in a not the same, but a similar type setup, that's incredible. So let me ask you this. Aside from anything that's happened on the ice, obviously the Golden Knights have their, their playoff lives are very slim right now. It's been a very bad season as far as getting into the postseason, given what their expectations were. Have there been enough like embarrassing moments off the ice to cause Bill Foley to fire people? And if you go through the list, I mean, just this year of getting the Donov trade, even though we've talked about this a lot, none of us actually think that's the Golden Knights' fault as much as it was the Ottawa Senators' right, it was fault. The Ottawa Senators but fault. it was still pretty embarrassing to trade a guy, have him sit in limbo for right. two days, and but then that was bring Ottawa him Senators. Back. I agree with that. Now you have Robin Leonard and this surgery where they tell him he can't get it yet. We need you to sit on the bench because of the salary cap situation. Go back to last season when remember they played a game with fifteen skaters against the Colorado Avalanche, biggest game of their regular season last year, and they did it with 15 skaters, and then the entire Marc-Andre Fleury relationship being ruined. Like, Have there been an accumulation of bad events off the ice that make this team look bad that would cause Bill Foley to make a change in the front office? I just, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen, and you can tell me what you think is going to happen. I don't think he's making changes this year. I really don't. I think it's going to go back to... Bill Foley's going to be convinced by a lot of people. This was, I know what you're talking about, the off the ice, but this was a completely different year because of the injuries. And I think that's going to be the excuse made. Well, should I say the word excuse? I think that's going to be the reason given for why everyone's status quo into next year. And they're going to say, look, everyone's going to be healthy. We'll be Stanley Cup contenders next year. Let's move forward because of the injuries. And I think Foley, I don't want to say Foley's uneducated about, uh, the sports world or hockey. He didn't, he didn't really come from that. He, he had known hockey before, but I think he puts a lot of trust in his management. I really do. I'll leave it at that. I think he puts a lot of trust in his management and I think they'll convince them otherwise. I really do. I, I don't think there's going to be changes. Do you think he cares about the perception of his team? Oh, Mr. Army guy. I think he cares about the perception because if he cares I don't about know the perception puts, of his team, well, I don't know if probably putting, fire them. I don't know if he's putting together all you put together. I don't want him to come off as someone who doesn't know anything about it. I'm just saying I think he complicitly uh, trusts, I say completely trusts George McPhee. The reason I ask about perception is if you take the first five years, I think it's really easy to justify keeping George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon around. You say for five years. Yeah, four went to the playoffs. Four playoff appearances. Yeah, cup final. team's been a, a legitimate cup contender for four of those five years, right? Like that's an... It's it's you can justify keeping them because of the hockey team, but if you care about perception, the Golden Knights are known for two things: being an unbelievably good expansion team and mistreating all their players. That's what they're known for across the league. That's what everybody views this organization as, from fan base wise, and I'm sure from team and player wise on other teams. That's how this team is viewed. If Bill Foley cares about that part of it then he should probably fire the front office. I just don't know how much he actually cares about that. Because this goes... I think he'd care more about if they convinced him they could win the Stanley Cup next year because everyone's healthy. Right. That's what I think he'd care more about. Because this goes... Listen, this goes all the way back to year one. Remember Vadim Shipashov? Oh, I remember Shippy. They were like, you're going to the AHL, you're not going to the AHL. And Shipashov was like, what the hell? I'm here to play in the NHL, and you're trying to make me go to the AHL. And again, why? Because of the salary cap situation. That's the one thing if I'm Foley. That's the one thing if I'm Foley, if he hasn't already. 
I do sit down with them and say, look, what the hell is going on with the cap? Because right. everything I hear, everything I read is it's cap related. What <laughs> is going on with the cap and why can't we figure this out? Or are we just trying to circumvent the cap because we want certain guys, you know, to come back during the playoffs and we want, you know, this to happen to have our best team when it matters. Right. How many maybe times he's okay with that. How many times are we going to look bad because of the salary cap, yes. basically, is what it is. But this goes back to year one. Vadim Shipashov right away ends up retiring from the NHL because the Golden Knights don't know how to handle Vadim Shipashov and explain to him what's happening or anything like that. But the team was unbelievable in year one. And so you don't really care about what happened to Vadim Shipashov when six months later the team's playing for the Stanley Cup. Right. right? You just you don't care. No one even remembers that. But when you have Marc-Andre Fleury, the you know most popular player in team history, traded away, and Fleury feels disrespected, and then six months later, you're going to miss the playoffs? It All this stuff piles up. If this team was first in the Pacific... None of this would matter. We would not care. No one care. No we'd one be care like, yeah, okay. We, we, we'd probably be a little bit like, what are they doing to Robin Leonard? But it wouldn't be, we wouldn't care about the Dodonov thing. We wouldn't care about hardly any of this. But when you're losing... You look around and say, hold on, we're not masking all this weird stuff by winning. What's right. wrong with this team? So I do. I just wonder how much Foley cares about off-ice stuff because the perception of this team is pretty low. It's pretty bad for a team that was, you know, the lovable, fun story five the years misfits. ago. The Misfits. Yeah, that's what they were five years ago, and now the perception's pretty bad. Coming up next, are the Raiders going to trade Derek? All these reports, I don't know where they all come from, but, you know, we always believe in competition. At the same time, uh, we are great believers in what Trey Lance brings to the table. We believe he's ready. Uh, he's going to have to show that. I think he's ready to show that to us, show that to his teammates, and show that to the world. So we're excited for that opportunity that he has. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. This is what we've been waiting for. An actual report, a rumor of Darren Waller getting traded. The Raiders were set to have like the most boring week leading up to a draft that they're hosting ever, where they don't pick until the third round. There's nothing really interesting about them. But then, thank you, Cheesehead TV, uh, for the report that the Packers are interested in Darren Waller, or excuse me, in uh, uh, Darren Waller. So, first off, to go back a little bit, The Athletic reported earlier this month that when the Raiders and Packers were talking about the Devontae Adams trade, that the Packers asked for a player in return. And when the Packers asked for that player, the Athletic never named that player, the Raiders said no. And that it was not even legal through the NFL anyways because if you're trading a guy on a franchise tag, you can't acquire a player in return. No other player can be involved in a trade when one guy's on the franchise tag. Cheesehead TV had a report yesterday saying that that player that the Packers wanted was Darren Waller. Now that makes sense. Yes, because if you're the Packers and you're like, well, we're trading away our best receiver, let's get a good pass catching option to right. come in. Um, and now, according to Cheesehead TV, the Packers and Raiders have engaged in talks regarding a trade of Waller with an eye toward a deal getting done during this week's NFL draft. Are the Raiders about to trade Darren Waller away? Not according to Derek Carr, who said, <laughs> LOL, no way it's not happening. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, he's got two years left on his deal, so you're either going to trade him or you're going to have to probably re-up him at some point uh, worth you know, a good good uh, amount of change. Um, I, 
I don't think either of us would be shocked if there's been discussions. I mean, I, I would probably have discussions with more than one team trying to get into the first round. Oh, absolutely. Because, so, yeah, if you told me that there's been phone calls, I don't know if they would do it. I don't know at this point what he'd be worth. I would be shocked if the Raiders actually got a first-round pick for him. Yeah. Um, so you're going to go into the second and move him? And I would say this. If somebody did offer the Raiders a first-round pick for Darren Waller, they should trade him immediately, right? If the Raiders called right now and said, all right, we'll do one of these late first-round picks. We'll give you back your first-round pick right. or something. Immediately, right? Darren Waller is gone. I, I think that the first-round pick is going to bring you more value than what Darren Waller will. So, but I don't think he's getting that because, like, Devontae Adams just got traded for a first and a second. I, I doubt Darren Waller's getting traded for almost that same sort of package there. So, if you're the Raiders, here, here's to me the ideal scenario for the Raiders because Waller has two years left he plays this year without a new deal right you get this season out of Darren yeah, Waller yeah, with a new exactly. deal and then next off season presumably he's going to then especially if he doesn't want it now by then he'll want a new contract then you trade Darren Waller away you get one because here's the thing Waller's like the 17th highest paid tight end this year like he is severely underpaid and if you can get Darren Waller as At the, that price. That's terrific. And get that for one year. And then next year, trade Darren Waller away for a decent draft pick. That, to me, is the best case scenario for the Raiders. Now, that hinges on Darren Waller being willing to play this year. And that's something we don't really know yet. Is Darren Waller going to hold out at all? Because again, well, he showed up yesterday. 17th highest paid tight end when he's very clearly better than the 17th right. tight end in the league. And he doesn't have guaranteed money on his contract left. If I was Darren Waller, I would be holding out. Or at mm -hmm. least I'd be having the conversations with the front office being like, listen, I, I need a new deal. Maybe I don't right. hold out yet. But if we get to August and I don't have a new deal, you're not going to see me around. Right. So that's what Darren Waller should be doing. If I'm the Raiders, I'm trying really hard to get him to play this year without a new deal. Um, but... I do think there is logic to trading away Darren Waller. Right now? I think there is logic to doing it right Depending now. Depending on what you get. Yeah, because even even if it's if we're just talking second-round pick, I still think there's value there because Darren Waller's into his 30s, right? Right, right. Darren Waller, is he going to have, let me ask you this, is he going to have another 100-catch, 1,000-yard season? No, I don't think so because of Devontae Adams. So the best of Darren Waller's career is behind him. And if you're giving him a new contract, you're probably paying him for what he did, not what yeah, he's going to right. do. Yeah, he's in his 30s. And so if I'm the Raiders, I'm trying to avoid that, right? I would rather trade the guy away and let somebody else pay Darren Waller for what he did and not what he's going to do. So I think it makes a lot of sense to trade him away. And you also look at it once you get Devontae Adams, that makes it easier to part ways. So with you Darren move him Waller. for a second. I probably would move him for a second. The second that they lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably move him for a second round pick, uh, simply because I think that it makes a lot of sense to trade Darren Waller right now, because here's the other part, like best case scenario is you keep Waller for a year. He plays well, and then you trade him before you have to pay him. What if you keep Waller this year and he's not that good or because he's well, then the leverage goes away. right. Or what if he gets hurt again? Right. Right. He missed time last year. What if Waller misses four games again? And what if Waller has a season where he's got 675 receiving yards instead of 
eleven hundred. Then or your second's going to become a fourth. Right. Then all of a sudden, he's not as valuable. And I think that's possible because there's a chance Darren Waller's the third option in this passing yeah, game. Yeah, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Right. There's a legitimate chance he's the number three option in this passing game. The reason he had such great seasons is because he was the number right. one option in the passing game. The Raiders didn't put good wide receivers on the team for like three years, and Darren Waller got all the thro- got all the targets. There's a legitimate chance he's got like a 700-yard season. And if he has a 700-yard season, are you getting a second-round pick for a 31-year-old tight right. end who has to get paid and is coming off a 700-yard? Probably not. Probably not. So I think there's a lot of reason to trade Darren Waller this season. First-round pick, I'm absolutely I moving him. Yeah, I just don't know if they could get a first-round pick for Second-round pick, I'm probably doing it. If you only offered a third, I'm probably keeping him. Right. I'm probably going to hold on to him and say, yeah, we'll take a shot. Because I still think Darren Waller's good. I still think Darren Waller's I think Waller's, he's very good. I, I think he's going to be better than a six or 700-yard season this year. But, right, but he could. here's the thing. He could be just as good and have a lot less numbers. Right, exactly. Because yes. of Devontae Adams. Yeah, because... I am fascinated to see does Derek Carr lock on to one of these guys more than the other three? Well, like his college teammates out there. <laughs> I think he's gonna lock into that well, guy. Can you imagine if he locks in on Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams has games with like four targets? Yeah. Uh, Hunter Renfro, twelve yeah. catches, one forty two, two touchdowns. Like it's not <laughs> it's not impossible to see that, hey. right? Where there's a game where they lose and Devontae Adams has like four targets. He could get open, Jared. That's his key. He gets open. He, okay. <laughs> Didn't he have the longest touchdown Derek Carr threw one year because he took a 10-yard pass? Yes. <laughs> 70 yeah. yards? Uh, do you think when Carr tweets, LOL, no chance, does that mean anything to you? No. I mean, he is the quarterback. Would he know more than you and I? I assume he knows more than you and I, but he calls up McDaniels and says, hey, we trade in Waller. Good. What does McDaniel does McDaniel say? No, don't believe that. And then Carr tweets it. McDon- McDaniel says, "LOL, <laughs> no chance, no chance." <laughs> McDaniel goes, "We should really have dinner." <laughs> yes, exactly. We didn't really get to know each other well before I gave you that one year contract audition for your job. Because, because, and also Carr says, "LOL, no chance." But if the Packers called today and said, "We got the first round pick for Darren Waller," then it's LOL. Yes, I was wrong. Yeah, that's what's happening there, and it. Would be, I? I would. I don't think. That, I mean, I'm sure there would be some, but I wouldn't come on this show and criticize the Raiders if they traded him for a first round pick. No, I would be no. like unbelievable deal. No, great job. The one other thing on Darren Waller, the Raiders should probably probably try to do, or maybe end up doing. They end up giving Darren Waller the same contract as Carr and Devontae Adams, where one year's fully one guaranteed, year and yeah. we can cut you after this yeah. after the season. And if not, then your year two becomes fully guaranteed. There, there might be some sort of contract like that, which sets them up with the same timeline as Carr and Devontae Adams, where, all right, if everybody sucks this year, we're cutting all of we're you. We don't everybody. have to owe any of you any money. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Swinging a ground ball toward first. Goldschmidt, a diving stop. Nobody's covering first. Flip to Gallego. Smith is safe. Big deal around third. Throw home. He's safe. The Mets have the lead. Dominic Smith comes through off the bench with two outs in the top of the ninth. Free throw is in and out. No good. Irving with a rebound. And that's it. The buzzer sounds on a Celtic sweep. The Boston Celtics are moving on to the second round as the Nets are swept by Boston. The final score here in Brooklyn in game four. The Celtics 116 and the Nets 112. Bueller set to go. The right-hander kicks, fires. 
Swung on and hit in the air to center field. Bellinger's got it. It's a complete game shutout for Walker Bueller, and the Dodgers win it four to nothing. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from Defector is David Roth. Good morning, David. Hey, Have David. you uh, found a sort of black market way to get your dishwasher hooked up? No, but I, I'm being effectively shamed by members of my family. My sister came over yesterday and had her fun with her. They, you know, had a little bit to eat. She started to put dishes in the dishwasher, which is located where the dishwasher would be, but not plugged into anything. And she like <laughs> thought she'd pulled it out of the wall. And then I had to explain to her that that was really more of a dishwasher that was just there for show, uh, doesn't do anything, which is tough, you know, like somebody that uh, you, you know, care about and respect kind of looking at you like, oh, you poor thing with your fake dishwasher that you have. That's going to be the, the way you actually end up getting this fixed is family shame. Yes. I mean, nothing else has worked so far. I feel like this has got to be it. Like, I'm obviously willing to wash my own dishes. I'm obviously willing to... <laughs> have my father-in-law over twice in over a period of six months at both times there's a dishwasher that doesn't work in the house so at this point yeah it's going to need to come from much closer like i'll need a disapproving look from my mom and i think that'll probably be the deciding factor all right in the nba give us your thoughts or your expectations should the nets be considered title favorites next season or is this just a bad team (laughs) I feel like I was thinking before I came on that I need to apologize to listeners for saying that I thought they had a chance of winning a title this year. Uh, they, I mean, like, you look at the roster, yeah, I watched them a decent amount this year. I never really thought they were good, but you always sort of think that a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on it could turn it on, and I think that maybe this is just what they're like. Like, I would say that the thing that's most ominous about a title for next year was the Kyrie quotes from after the game where he was talking about how, like, I'm committed to being here. I want to run the team along with Kev and Sean and Steve Nash and whatever. And it's just like, I don't know that, like, Kyrie Irving is good at what he's good at, right? Like, I mean, if you want a hesitation dribble, he's going to give you the best hesitation dribble you've ever seen. Making personnel decisions and setting a clubhouse culture, like, (laughs) if you want to put him in charge of that, I think we now know what you get. And I don't know that I mean, if Ben Simmons ever plays again, if he plays at a level like the one he played at before his brain exploded, like, yeah, they'll be really good. I just feel like for a team that's got three all-NBA guys on it, uh, like pretty much locked in and some decent supporting player, I mean, like Joe Harris will be there next year. There'll be things that are better than they were this year. Like, man, it's really hard to say that I even think they're going to be much better than this. Is that unfair? Like, I mean, you saw him. Like, that was not a no. good effort in that series. That, that's not unfair. I thought it was interesting. So two two days ago, or after three, he says, we haven't had any chemistry or gelling, which is funny given the whole uh, uh, COVID thing that, that he didn't want to take the vaccine. He was never there. Right. And then after last night, I didn't want it to be j- just about me. Everything's about him. Right. Like, this is, I, I mean, I don't want plenty of things to, like, if you're making it happen. It's like if if I like had nine drinks and then I get on your radio show and I'm completely out of it and then I call you the next day and I'm like, look, that was the last thing that I wanted to happen. Me showing up drunk on your radio show, believe me. You think that that's something I wanted to do? At some point, you have to be like, well, where did who poured the drinks? I feel like with Kyrie, what we're dealing with here is like 
this idea of talking about, you know, oh, I felt like it was a distraction. I felt like in some ways, you know, like I didn't want it to be about me. It's There's one thing you could have done. It's the thing that, like, at this point, like 80% of American adults have done at least one dose of the thing that we're talking about. And you just couldn't do it. And the fact that there's still no, not even insight on it, you know, like I don't expect him to be like, you know, I've searched my soul for this and I feel bad. Acknowledging where the distraction came from and who authored it seems like that's like when a baby learns that you're still there when you cover your eyes playing peekaboo. Like, that's not a higher order bit of thought. Like, you just got to know. Do you remember the NBA playoffs? And it's been like this for a couple of years now, but do you remember the NBA playoffs being a battle of attrition like this has been, where it's just With every, the injuries? Yeah, yeah, everybody has a star player getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a thing that happens, and there were years, I mean, I remember the year that Durant blew out with the Warriors and stuff like that. There's, uh, no, not really. And it's kind of strange, because, like, you would have expected, like, the bubble playoffs and stuff like that, the ones last year where, you know, there really was players were playing a lot in a limited period of time, and it was at a weird time of year. I just, I guess maybe because this is happening during the months on the calendar when I'm used to it happening, I thought that it would be more normal, but it is, yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, like, there's not a team right now that, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever, Celtics and Bucks are, are more or less where you'd want them to be, but, like, the volume of guys that are out and the kind of the severity of it, like, the I, I was really shocked with, like, Booker has, Devin Booker has a, a hamstring injury, and they were talking about, like, you know, he's going to miss the next couple of games at first, and it's like, a hamstring injury is like a month, right? Yeah. Yeah, like this is like it's bad, and I don't know to what extent you know there's going to be an opportunity to really, really upend things. Like I think the Pels are tough. I love watching them. I don't. I still don't think they're good enough to beat the Suns because the Suns are awfully good even without Devin Booker. But it's like, yeah, the the volume of injury and then especially like the star quality of the guys on the shelf is really like it feels new to me. Like I can't think of a time when it was this uncertain this early for that reason did we miss out on a lot when the third protester ran on the court and she wanted to put on a referee and uh, uh uniform and give glenn taylor a technical <laughs> i think that a little bit more of that theatrics would have helped them you saw the last one absolutely got like truck sticked by a security. Yes. Yes, yes it's just yes. brutal like and it was i always you know you feel bad laughing at that sort of thing like during an nfl game where it's just like somebody who's so drunk that their only thought is like i want to run like when that happens and some security guys you know lay a ronnie lot type like conclusion on it at that point you're just like well whatever who am i supposed to feel bad for here like this is in this case like at least this person like was probably you know whatever three syllables into making some sort of point about animal rights when they absolutely got like worked by Harrison Smith doing off-duty security stuff at the Timberwolves game. So, yeah, maybe maybe some more disguises, maybe a little bit more, uh, like, just because you're not really going to get your message across in the time it takes to, like, get the wind knocked out of you by two large security people. Uh, do you believe we need more players to act like Kyle Schwarber did to Angel Hernandez to get robot umps quicker in Major League Baseball? I was hoping you guys were going to ask me about Angel Hernandez because I started working on something with it yesterday. I don't think I'm going to write it. It's just the sort of thing that like Ray Rattle will toss it off in 30 minutes and it'll be better than anything I would have done. 
he might single-handedly be the guy that gets his robot off. Like there was, like Joe Girardi after that game was, and Girardi, you know, like been managing near me for a long time. Like the one real defining quality of him is that he never says anything interesting. That's like the whole point of hiring Joe Girardi. Like, so as wild as Schwarber was, and he was like, absolutely like Al Pacino in heat levels of over the top, the Girardi coming out and being like, I think robot umps might be a good idea actually, because sometimes the umpiring is very bad. Like that's the Joe Girardi equivalent of Kyle Schwarber losing it on the field. And I think that, like, if Angel Hernandez is missing calls so badly that Joe Girardi is becoming quotable, then, like, we are reaching absolutely the boiling point. Like, there's no coming back from this. And, and it's nothing new with him. That's the thing. They, they no, la- he's they been last the worst. Forever. I feel like we talked about him, like, horrible. the first time I was on. Yeah, he's horrible. And they, they, yet these guys continue on, and there's no repercussions. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the part of it that I, maybe, you know, whatever. I'm open to the idea of robot arms. I don't love it, but I think that mostly it's because I'm old enough that you know, anything that was, like, the way that it was when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. And so, like, I'm still getting used to, like, the fact that the Mets have a DH in the lineup every night, you know? like that's And that's for me to work out. I do think, though, that, like, the compromise there is very obviously, like, if an umpire is bad at calling balls and strikes, don't let him do it. You know? Like, if Angel Hernandez is in that situation where he's he's got a union job and, you know, you can't, like, you're not going to completely cycle him out or, like, put him in a rubber room like a bad teacher or whatever. I'd Like, it does feel like the sort of thing where, like, the games where he's behind the plate, especially as bad as he was in that game, because he was, I think the call, the Schwarber one wasn't a bad miss, but there was one that he, like, punched yeah. the guy out on a strike. Yes. It was, like, five inches out of yeah. the strike zone. Six inches off. They, in, yeah, when I they, mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It was when they... uh Reviewed him the next day. They literally had the point where we were six inches off the plate. And I just don't know what you do with that. Like, because you can't, you know, I, the K zone is what it is. And like players will say that like, as long as if a strike zone is, is off, as long as it's consistent, you know, eventually you learn to adjust over the course of the game and you can make decisions like that. Hernandez just feels like it's <laughs> pin the tail on the donkey and you can't work with that. So I don't know like what, but there has to be some sort of, response to it though because like even if not you know everybody is going to be as bad as him one guy that is as routinely as wrong as he is is like a randomizing effect on the game that makes it like i mean it's already hard enough you know like it just at the very least you should be able to know uh that if a pitch is six inches outside of the generally agreed upon strike zone that you're safe in taking it uh what happens first robot strike zone in baseball or your dishwasher is functioning uh, well, there's going to be a whole CBA type negotiation thing there. So I want to say my dishwasher, but every single time I've given you that answer, <laughs> I have been wrong on the radio where people can hear it. So I'm just going to go ahead and no comment that one for now and say that it needs more study. All right, Joe Girardi. He's David Roth from <laughs> Defector. <laughs> what you want. <laughs> Thank you guys. As always, we appreciate Thanks, it. So, David Roth from Defector. Always great to talk to. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs, where Pete DeBoer has something amazing he could do tonight. But first, we've got a lacrosse fan pack to give away. The Las Vegas Desert Dogs is the new lacrosse team in Las Vegas, and we've got a fan pack for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. You will win a fan pack for the Las Vegas Desert Dogs the new lacrosse team in Vegas. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six. 
The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A. Bischoff's briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Brief. Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's briefs. Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's briefs. Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one person, they're still referred to as the winner. Bischoff's briefs. And that's how you scrabble. Congratulations to Steven. He won the fan pack for the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, new lacrosse team in Las Vegas. Season tickets available now at LasVegasDesertDogs.com. Owners Wayne Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, Steve Nash, and Joe Sy are bringing professional box lacrosse to Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay starting in December. Season tickets for the Desert Dogs' nine home games are on sale now at LasVegasDesertDogs.com. We'll have more of those tickets to give away throughout the week. The Golden Knights play tonight against the Dallas Stars. And I think we have an opportunity for Pete DeBoer to do something awesome, something that we don't see maybe ever. I don't think the Golden Knights have ever done it. Probably has happened in the NHL a few times. I am hoping that we have a tie game with two minutes left in the third period and Pete DeBoer pulls his goalie. Okay, I understand where you're going. Because the Golden Knights are chasing the Dallas Stars. Right, for points, yeah. If the Golden Knights were to win tonight's game in regulation, the Golden Knights would pull within a point of the Dallas right. Stars. Two games left, you have to make up one point. That is certainly possible. Even though Dallas plays Anaheim and Arizona, if you're one point back, it's certainly possible. If the Golden Knights lose in, or win in overtime, the Stars get the loser point, and you pull within just two points of the Dallas Stars, which is harder to overcome in the span of two games. So there could be some logic and some motivation for Pete DeBoer to pull his goalie in a tie game in the third period. So that is what I'm rooting for. Two minutes left. It's three to three. Logan Thompson's headed to the bench, and they're playing six on five in a tie game. And the odds you think Pete DeBoer would ever do this? I think it's extremely low. Yes. Uh, because here, here's the main reason I think it's really low. The Golden Knights are eliminated tonight with a regulation loss to Dallas. Right. They are not eliminated with an overtime right. loss they get to a point. Dallas. So because of that fact, I think it's really unlikely that DeBoer pulls his goal. Right. But I but there is still some motivation. I he I think there's at least got to be a moment today where he considers it. Where he sits down and talks with his coaches and says should we do this? What are the pros and the cons? And I would imagine they end up saying, no, we're not going to do that if given the opportunity. But it is certainly a possibility that tonight the Golden Knights pull their goalie in a tie game in the third period, which would be phenomenal if that happened because that you don't see it very often and be a lot of fun. But because a loss in regulation would eliminate them, I'd highly doubt Pete DeBoer 
actually goes through with I it. I don't think he would. Just giving up a chance at an empty netter yeah. to, to be eliminated from the playoffs? But here, here's what happens. If, if they win in regulation, they just have to make up one point on Dallas. Right. Right. Dallas goes to Anaheim, Arizona and loses in overtime and the Golden Knights win out. Golden Knights are in the playoffs if they win in regulation tonight. But if they win in overtime, then Anaheim or Arizona have to beat Dallas in regulation right. and the Golden Knights have to win out. So again, we're we're on the very fine margins here. It's very, you know, close detail as to what's going to decide if the Golden Knights get in or not. But that point, if Dallas gets a loser point tonight, that could be the difference in what happens. And I would make one other point on that. Golden Knights going to overtime in this scenario, you could very easily lose and you only walk away with one point. And then you're right? trailing by three. Right. If you pull the goalie, you might give up the goal and your season ends, but it also increases your chances of scoring and winning the game right there. Yeah, when you're six on five. Right, and not leaving it up to a three-on-three three, or, like we saw against San Jose, a, a shootout situation, right. right, where you lose the shootout or something like that. So I would absolutely love to see that. I would also love to see him pull the goalie in overtime. Um, <laughs> even though, what's the rule? You don't get the loser point if you pull your goalie in overtime. So he definitely wouldn't do that. But I would love for him to be like so petrified of going to a shootout again that he pulls the goalie in overtime to to get a to score and win. I don't think he's doing either. I don't think things. he is either. But it's possible tonight, and I will be cheering for it if this game is tied late in the third period. I don't think he's getting fired. He pulls that goalie with two minutes left, and they score an empty netter, <laughs> then it's like, uh, I'm not so sure. But if you, listen, if you're going to, here and here, again, it can be a predetermined decision. You can, he can be in a meeting right now in Texas, talking to his coaches, goes to McPhee and McCrimmon and Bill Foley and says, listen, this is what I want to do. And if they say, we're on board with that, then you don't get fired for it. Cause True. you get, you're they like, agreed. this is, this is the game plan. If we're, if we're tied with two minutes to go, we're pulling the goalie. Cause we got to make up as many points as quickly as possible on this Dallas team. And we can't afford to give them that one loser point, even though they technically can, but you can make the argument. You can't afford to give them any points. So that's what I'm cheering for. Pete DeBoer, pull the goalie with two minutes to go in a tie game. Be fun. What do you think happens? I actually think they win. Oh, I, Yes, they win tonight. Yes. They miss the playoffs. Ultimately, they win tonight. Dallas is one of those 3-2-4-3 grinded-out teams. I think they're going to score enough to beat Dallas. Yeah. this is And given how Dallas has played of late, that's the, I mean... The Golden the, Knights have blown this, right? Since, yeah. since Mark Stone returned, Nashville and Dallas are tied for the 18th best record in the NHL. Yeah. These two yeah. teams haven't... They haven't played awful, but they haven't played very well, right? Vegas, in that same time period, also tied for the 18th best yeah. record in the NHL. If the Golden Knights, since they got Mark Stone back, the 15th best had team in gone the NHL. on not even a hot streak, just a little bit of a streak, they'd probably be like tied with Dallas right. going into this game tonight. And it'd be like, yeah, you win the game, you're basically going to be in. So, I think they're going to win like 4 1, 4 2. I think they're going to win the yeah. game. And they'll still be but a point then, back. And, Dallas has Anaheim. Like you said, they right. have Arizona and Anaheim. And, that's, and I think they're all at home. I think, that, yeah, I think their last. No, four, they're at home. Yeah, are all at home, which is. Yes, Dallas isn't good enough that you can just count those as wins, but right. the Golden Knights also have to win two games if Dallas blows any One of those. One against so, St. Louis and right. a back to back tomorrow night in yeah. Chicago. So. Logan Thompson. Uh, a lot of players. Oh, my God. Are we going to get Yuri Patera no, in a game? No, we're not getting Yuri Patera. 
Logan Thompson, all three games. Thompson gives up five tonight. Yuri Patera. <laughs>